at this moment, I just want to receive our offering. Then, uh, Stan, you're going to come and sing, right? Okay. So, um, I, uh, so if the ushers, if you have giving cash, would like a receipt, just go ahead and slip your hand up. One of these ushers give you an offering envelope. If you make it out a check, you can make it out to Destiny Church. Praise God. Um, so while, while they're getting ready for the offering, we just have a couple announcements. Um, Wednesday night service starts this Wednesday night at 6.30 right here at the church. We have something for the kids. We're going to be discussing relationships, how to develop healthy relationships, or better known as how to get along with everybody all the time. And then um, uh, Natalie Baker we, uh, is having a woman's, uh, woman's Connect at her home. And so um, if she, I think she, are you here, Natalie? There you are in the back there, Natalie. You can just stand up so everybody can see you. If you're interested in going, just talk to Natalie there and she'll tell you how to get there. And uh, we have prayer at Sunday morning at 915 uh, and ladies prayer at, on Thursday morning at 10 here at the church. And, um, and then Dave over here, the guy that was just leading our communion service, if you have any questions about the um, church or anything, just see him in the back table there. Let's take our offering in our hand. Let's pray over it. Lord, thank you that we can give. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord, over the years to us, Lord. If you had not been on our side, Lord, we would never have made it. And thank you for being on our side, Lord, being for us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that since you're for us, who can be against us? And Lord, as we are ready to receive our offering, Lord, we do mention to you and hold before you our nation, God, and its leaders and the direction of this nation, Lord. Um, even though there's so much bad uh, messages going forth, Lord, we, our eyes are on you. We trust you, Lord, to, to fulfill your purposes for this nation. We declare that it will be the city on the hill that you ordained it to be, Lord. We just thank you for uh, directing every one of our leaders and, and giving us godly leaders after your heart. In Je and expose corruption, Lord, wherever it is, we pray in Jesus' name. We thank you, God, for blessing us, allowing us to live in this nation. In Jesus' name, everybody agree, say? Amen. Amen. Go ahead, men, pass the offering buckets. So anyways, um, we, like I said, we started 41 years ago. We started first as a Bible study, and, and Stan, he was, he's one of our original members, and he's a good man. Um, he's, he's a little wild at times, but... but um, he is really a good man. I, I would, um, if you don't know Stan, I highly recommend you get to know him. He'll be a blessing to your life. He really is a good man. But he was our um, original, one of our original song leaders. And uh, our church at that time was called Country Bible Church. Country Bible Church. And someone said, well, how did you name it that? Well, Stan's gonna lead a, sing a couple songs and you probably understand why when he starts singing. But, um, but the other reason is we, we were in the country and we believed the Bible and we were a church. So it really wasn't that profound. It was just country Bible. It's like, boy, you guys aren't very creative, are you? No, we weren't. Um, but um, Stan's been uh, faithful in the church here all these years. And we're, in fact, let me ask you a question. How many here have been with us, let's say, 30 years or more? Could, I, could you stand up? Just stand up a minute. You've been here for 30 years or more. Look at that. That's awesome. Praise God. I don't know why some of you, some of you young people were born here. I don't know why you didn't stand up. <laughs> I'm like, but I don't want to say you're, how old you are, but I... I knew you when you were just a twinkle in your dad's eye. I mean, but anyways, um, but anyways, so, um, but one of the things that Stan would do is that he would write songs and some of the, some, some of the songs would be a reflection or of, of things that were happening in the church or uh, messages that were, that were being preached or whatever. And so uh, I just asked Stan if he'd sing a couple songs for us to give you a little flavor because we're, we're kind of remembering and, and celebrating God's faithfulness over the years. So, Stan, are you ready? Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny. While you get up and get ready, um, uh, I had a, he, you know, uh, I had a pastor from another church ask if Stan could come and sing at the church. And I said, sure. 
I'm sure he would. I mean, well, I can mention it to him. And, it, and then the pastor goes, could he wear shoes? <laughs> because Stan never wore shoes, ever. In the winter, I think he did, but, but he, he was barefoot all the time. So anyways, so I, and he had long hair. And one thing about it, Stan was single for a long time. How, how, how old were you when you got married? So he was single for a long time. And so he was the best uh, to attract new members. <laughs> but it was all women. And they were all, would all come to me and say, I just feel led of the Lord to come to your church. I'm like, and uh, actually, we, um, I, I don't know if I should tell this story. But there was a lady, she asked me, you know, and we were just, we were meeting in this little house here. And, and she asked me if she could do a, um, um, what do you call it, uh, an interpretive dance. You guys know the story, huh? And so anyway, so I, I thought, well, I don't know. I mean, you know, kind of like you, you play worship music and then you kind of do act out, whatever. But anyway, so I said, well, sure. But anyway, so she goes and stands in front of Stan. And I thought, that, I mean, I, I was laughing so hard I had to go in the other room. But he's a great brother. So let her rip, Stan. Go for it. Oh, thank you. Well, let me sing first. Uh, I just want to say a few things before I get going here. You know, I, I came, what was it, 1974, something like that, down at, somewhere back there, a little in uh, Willie Nelson, Myr Myrtle and Willie Nelson's house. But I've just thought of, the profound effect that this house has had on my life. And I have my grandkids here now. So it's a, myself, our kids, and the next generation. And I'm so thankful for this, this church and the effect it's had on my life. Actually, Sherry and I were talking about it even on the way here. The effect it's had on my kids and the effect that it's having on my grandkids. I know maybe that role right there might seem a little distracting to some of, some of the folks here with all the grandkids, but it really blesses me when I see those little kids start to lift their hands and, you know what I mean, begin to connect with the Almighty. And, you know, Stephen Trish, I've been here, you know, since the beginning. Sometimes I've been a solution to some of the problems. Sometimes I've caused some of the problems. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there, your faithfulness has been more than impressive. How you've stuck with it when times were really good and times became very tough. But... It's been had such a profound effect on my life. I know, I absolutely know, I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't have the experience that I have with the Almighty if it wasn't for you two. So I'm very thankful. I'm just very grateful for that, to being able to be a part of this house and, you know, be a part of the music. And I've seen what, how the music has changed through the years and how we've had, you know, such faithful, such committed people to this church and to the music ministry. And the music ministry of this church has always been a big part of it and has had a very profound effect. And so I'm very, very thankful for so many things. And so for me to stand up here today and sing a couple songs is truly an honor with, you know, these kids that I watched grow up as little kids and began to move into their gifts and how, you know, the people of the church have supported their gifts and even to see them now operating in, and, you know, bringing the presence of God into this house. So all these things and many, many other things I'm very thankful for. So I'm, I am going to sing a couple songs. Uh, 
This one song that I'm going to start out, I think, is Steve's favorite because he always requests it. <laughs> and uh, it was written back in uh, probably 90, the year of 90. Uh, and uh, we had a couple speakers that came through. One was uh, Richards, Jim Richards, and what was the other guy? Mike Williams, yeah. And so they had a theme called the Gospel of Peace. And I went down to their seminar in the city once, and they had me sing a couple songs. And the Lord gave me this song at that seminar. It's called The Gospel Ship. So we're going to start that one out. And I've asked the band to sing with me, and so that's wonderful. I love it. <laughs> We're going to pick it up. All right, here we go. This one thing I know, that Jesus Christ, he is Lord. The things he suffered, the shame he endured. Out on the cross of Calvary, it was done for all humanity that we could come to the new and living way. That's why I'm here to say oh, we are on a trip, it will be gospel ship, the runner said. Oh, harbor of peace yeah and when the storm clouds start to blow you know we can anchor our soul in the finished work of Jesus on Calvary if I could say it again you know I would say the same thing that Jesus endured that cross for the joy mm, that the whole world could be saved when he died and rose from that grave for judgment it gave away to mercy that's what he done for you and me so we are on a trip yeah the well-built gospel ship the runner set for the harbor of peace yeah and when stone got start to blow you know we can anchor us
that trip. <laughs> Thank God. I'm going to sing one more song for you. Was that like the old days or what? <laughs> uh, I wrote this song about the church uh, and the experiences that we had back then and still have today. So, and the, I guess if it had a title, it'd be, I love to go to church in the countryside. <laughs> Get together with the saints of light. I like to call you the prairie saints because this is, <laughs> this is the prairie out here, you know. So we'll do this one for you too. Uh, you know, it's uh, so kind of that old rock and roll thing, but you know, I'm a 60s and the 70s child, and it's <laughs> the way they used to do it back then. <laughs> so love to go to church in the countryside. Here we go. I can see the wheels turning and they're all headed right here. <laughs> well, I love to go to church in the countryside. I get together with the saints of light and glorify my God. I know that torments the devil. Yeah, I love to be where his glory comes down. Riding in the heavens on the wings of love And it's all happening here The countryside Oh, I love to praise the Lord Give Him glory on high Love to see the lost get saved and walk in the light Love to see the crippled man's body made whole For in the name of Jesus every death has got to go church in the countryside where the love of God dominates the saints of life where the goodness of God lead a man to repentance mm, yeah I love where your presence is strong just sit on your feet before the throne and it's all happening here the countryside. Oh, I love to praise the Lord and give Him glory on high. Love to see the lost get walk in the light. Love to see the crippled man body made whole. In the name of Jesus, the demons got to go, and I love. follow that. Nuts. 
Well, God's good. Amen. So <laughs> maybe at the end, you can think of another one. But anyways, um, I have a funny story. I have lots of funny stories, actually, but I have a really funny one. Um, Doc Leader's back there. Doc, stand up. Doc's been with us for uh, probably 35 years, whatever. He's a he's another good man, but he he actually delivered all of our babies except the last one, and he stopped delivering babies. And I told him, I said, we had a good thing going here, Doc. And then Charlotte did taught the kids, so we would Doc would deliver them and Charlotte would teach them, but. They both quit on that, so I don't know. But anyway, so, um, but um, I was going to say something. But anyway, so uh, we've had, uh, oh, I was going to tell you a funny story about Doc. So what happened was uh, Doc, his kids all started coming to church. And so he's, you know, he's, and we had some rumors about us and stuff that we danced naked by candlelight. And <laughs> I'm like, where'd that come from, you know? <laughs> And, and that we shot demons out of the trees over the church, which is, I got a story about that one, but I won't tell you it. But, but we don't do that, by the way. I'm just telling you that. But anyways, but uh, so Doc was concerned about his, because, you know, when people go to church and they, they're there a long time, you know, I would preach an hour and a half back then. Yeah. And so we'd have like three hour services. And so someone go like, okay, you're in church for three hours. You come back and you seem relatively happy. And uh, so what's going on here? You know, this is, are you drinking Kool-Aid there or what, what's going on? So, um, so Doc was going to come and I think he came, I think he had a call or something in the morning. So he came a little late. Well, what happened was I was, I was all lathered up one Sunday. It's hard for you to imagine that, but I was all lathered up one Sunday and I was, you know, going like a crazy person. And, and then all of a sudden I just got this urge, we need to have a Jericho march. And, and so, well, we were in this little sanctuary. It was totally packed. So we, we all got up, and we were going to have this Jericho march. How many know what a Jericho march is? We kind of march around, praise the Lord. And so what happened was we all got up to try to march around. Well, we immediately filled the aisles, and there was nowhere to go. And so we had a side door in that little sanctuary there. So somebody kicked out, the, not kicked out, but opened the, probably stand, yeah, opened the side door. And, and so then we started the Jericho march out the side door, come around the front door. We kind of marched like that. So anyway, so just as the side door opens and people start marching, Doc drives up. <laughs> he's like, he said, he said, if my family wasn't there, I would have kept going. <laughs> but I go, I got to get there and find out what's going on in this crazy place. But we were just. Anyways, you had to be there. I mean, it's one, of those, it's one of those services you had to be there to really appreciate what was going on. You know, it was, it was actually pretty inspiring. But anyways, it, does, it sounds kooky now, but back then it was inspiring. But um, anyways, I have lots of stories, as you can tell. You know, I, I always, I think about this at funerals. You know, a person's lived 80, 90 years. And then we're, we're supposed to, in just like two or three minutes, or just a short service, we're supposed to talk about that person's life and, and, cap, and capture it. And it's so, I mean, it's just so hard. How do you do that? You know, and especially some people have pretty interesting lives. And, you know, 41 years of ministry, we've had, I have some pretty wild stories. Because we didn't just stay here. Um, you know, we've, we've been in, uh, I, think I, I think I counted one time, 25 different countries. And uh, maybe didn't minister in all those countries, but a lot of them we did. And we still, to this day, support missionaries there. And, and each mission trip, if you've ever been on a mission trip, it's pretty hard to go overseas, especially if you go to third world countries, and not come back with a story, some kind of story, both, you know, of what it was like to live, to spend time there, but also what it was like to do ministry there, where, when you have tremendous hunger and and God shows up. And so, I mean, there's lots of stories. And, um, but um, I, what I wanted to do this morning, and, and this is, so I was sitting there, you know, you know I was going to continue my series, but I thought I should take a break from that and, and I should talk a little bit about our church. And, and just, but then I thought to myself, well, how do, how do, you, how do you capture, you know, that in just a short sermon 
And I just thought, you know, it's really, a, so I'm going to be, you know, I'm not going to confess that I'm going to struggle, but I'm, I'm going to be, you're going to wonder sometimes, what, what am I talking about? But, um, but I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit to speak, speak through me and, and, and help, help you see. But, you know, I just thought this, uh, that the highest good that we can achieve uh, in our lives is to glorify God with our lives. And, um, you know, whatever that is, you know, whatever God Sometimes, you know, we like to we like to see ourselves on some and I've, I've been in foreign fields and held huge crusades where 10,000 people were there and had the privilege of preaching. And and I've done that. Um, but, you know, what's really important is no matter what God puts in front of us is to do it with our whole heart, do it with everything that's in us. And that glorifies God, whether it's whatever opportunity God gives us, witness to somebody share with somebody, give to somebody, minister to somebody, give an encouraging word to somebody, pray for somebody, whatever it is, to do that with all of our heart. It, it really, uh, when we do that, we glorify God with our lives. And that's the highest good. Um, one, one saying that I wrote down, and I always remember this, and I don't know who said it. It wasn't, I didn't originate it, but I wish I would have. But the say, And this is kind of a... Uh, I like it because it reflects my attitude about being here for 41 years. And that is, every mighty oak was once a little nut that held its ground. <laughs> right? Every mighty oak was once a little nut that held its ground. And so, I really like that saying. I don't know who said it, but... And, you know, that's kind of how um, I approach church ministry is to just be God's little nut that held my ground and uh, um, with his help, certainly with his help, because it wasn't always, you know, I like to say it was always a pretty thing. Um, you know, one time I hear a funny story. One time I don't, I don't my I should ask my wife if I could share this before I shared it. But uh, but um, I, I one time I, I was preaching and, and once in a while I can be funny. You know, I mean, you know, sometimes it's not. Doesn't, sometimes the jokes don't always work. Remember the mirror joke last week? Yeah, that, is, that, that doesn't work anymore. But um, so anyways, so this lady came up to my wife after I preached, and I was funny that Sunday. And they said, uh, it must be just a delight to live with him. <laughs> he, he's funny all the time. She thinks I'm just walking around the house being funny all the time. And my wife goes, that's not like that. I think she... I think she used the word heck no. I mean, <laughs> it's more like Steve shuffling, his eyes are glazed over, he goes, I need a Prozac. <laughs> it's not quite that bad, but I mean, <laughs> but, um, you know, so what I'm saying is that it's, it's, uh, it's been, um, you know, it's been a, you know, a fight of faith for me personally to, to see this church come this far. And, um, you know, the Bible says in Acts 13, verse 36, it's talking about David. It says, when David had served the purpose of God in his generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors and his body suffered decay. Uh, you know, I remember I read that one time. I thought, that seems like a, not a, 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 a large enough verse to describe David's life uh, because he, was, he did so many things. But it says, he, it, it, all it says is this statement. This is God's epitaph. It says that he served God's purpose in his generation. And then he died and was buried. And then I started thinking about that. You know, really, that's the highest, the highest peak that a person could achieve is to say, when you draw your last breath, because how many know that we're going to draw our last breath someday if Jesus tarries? When you draw your last breath, if you say, I, sir, I did, in other words, I discovered what God, what God made me for. I discovered it, and I did it with my whole heart, and now I'm, I'm passing from this life. And that's the highest thing that you could say about, um, about a person's life. Um, like I said, we started in 1981. I think the way I remember, and I could be remembering wrong, but I remember, I think we had about eight people in attendance on our first Sunday. We were in a farmhouse, which now is our kind of our nursery. I think they keep changing the rooms back there. I don't know what, what is what, but it's right off the fellowship hall there. There was a house, a farmhouse there, and that was 
where our church services started. And I think we had eight people. My favorite verse back then was, despise not the day, Zechariah 4.10, despise not the day of small things. And uh, I remember one time my wife and I were going to meet some minister friends because I, I, this wasn't the first church I pastored. I pastored a church in Minneapolis for a few years. And, um, uh, and so we had some ministry friends from down there and we were going to go meet them. And I remember we were driving there. that We had just started this church and, and things were not looking that great. And so we were driving to meet them. And so I said to my wife, because they always say, well, how are things going? You know, they're, they're question, questioning how are things going. And you want to tell them something good. And I said to my wife, think of something good that's happening. <laughs> and so we're driving along there. And this is, God is my witness. We sat there for I don't know how long, 20 minutes. And she didn't say anything and I didn't say anything. I said, oh, come on. She goes, well, we're still here. <laughs> that's it? Just a, a nutty nut that won't quit? Come on. But how many know that it's true? It's so easy to be captivated by big things, important things. But God loves small things that grow into big things. Amen? Because, you know, there's something about when, you, when, you, when you're involved in something small, when God is in it, when God is in it, it does something, you, you learn things about yourself. You learn things about yourself. Uh, you learn to, to look at things as God looks at them. You know, I, I, when I was, I prayed a lot, and it wasn't because I was spiritual. I was desperate. So these weren't like, these weren't like, you know, like holier than thou prayers. These were like, ah! you know, they were like that, you know. Are you paying attention up there? What's going on down here? And it's kind of like that. And that's how the prayers were. And, uh, but, um, but when I would pray, it was an amazing thing. When I would pray, God would, I would I'd feel so good. I'd, just, I'd be, have a, a different perspective. I'd see things as God saw them. And then when I wouldn't pray, I'd see things as they were. And I would get so discouraged. And so that's why it was easier to pray in those days than to think. But the principle... But we learn the principle of being faithful in what is little. You know, there's a verse in Luke, Luke chapter 16. It says, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And, who, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. And so when you're faithful with something that's little, it's, it, it's really a lesson in humility. Because we want to be attached to something that's big and famous and you know, we did, whoa, wow, we ain't we a big deal. But when you go, where, where are you? I remember one of the reasons why we changed our name was because, you know, some of the, you know, we were a part of a certain organization and they all had fancy names and they all had faith in them. You know, Faith World Outreach Center, faith, you know, uh, Overcoming Faith uh, Ministry Center or everything had faith and everything had overcoming, you know, like this is faith and this is overcoming. And so then they say, well, what church are you part of? Country Bible. What? Country Bible Church. It wasn't, it wasn't very dynamic of a name. But what, what happens is it's a true lesson in humility when you're faithful with something that's little. Amen? Uh, because a lot of times what happens, and you know, you think about this, you know, that's one reason why we emphasize children in ministry is because God loves little things. I mean, Jesus was born, you ever, ever heard the song, Oh, Little Town? of Bethlehem. Where was Jesus, the Savior of the world? He was born in a little town, the least of the towns of Judea. And so he became, he was, it was in something so little that became so big that it affected the whole world. In fact, my whole end time viewpoint is found out of Daniel chapter, Daniel chapter 2, where it says this little stone was cut uh, without, without hands and it smote this huge statue and ground it to powder. Then that stone became a giant mountain that filled the whole earth. That's what we're living in right now. We're living in a day where that little stone is becoming a mountain that's filling the whole earth. The glory of God will fill the whole earth. The glory of God will cover the earth as waters cover the sea. These are the greatest days to be alive. The kingdom of God is advancing. Amen. He'll sit there at the right hand of the Father until 
His enemies are made a footstool for his feet. And that's our job. Amen. Working with him to make uh, his enemies a footstool for his feet. But that's why we emphasize children. You know, we, we, um, we, we invest a lot of money in the children. If you go back, you know, sometimes I go back in the children's area and I go, man, they got it nicer than we got it. <laughs> but it should be that way. I mean, you go back in the children's area, you should go back there sometime. And you, you'll see that we invested a lot of money in children ministry because even though they're small, but they have incredible potential. You know, you think about children and how, um, you know, when, how that when God wants to do something powerful, like in the time of Israel, you probably, if you've been here at church, you heard me say this, but when Israel was in bondage, they were in slavery, and they began to cry out for, for, for deliverance, God sent their deliverer, but he came as a baby. When God was going to save the whole world from their sins, he sent the Savior, but he sent the Savior as a baby. And that's why it's, a, it's really, I'm totally against abortion. Because I have a sneaky feeling that we have destroyed through abortion some of the answers to earth's problems. Because when earth has problems, God sends answers, but they come like a little baby. And that's why Jesus said, don't despise one of these little ones. Don't despise them. Don't look down at them. I mean, who would have ever looked at Moses? You know, his mom made a little basket for him, put him in the river and sent him down the river. Who would have ever looked at that little basket going down the river and say, there's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy going down the river. Who would have ever thought that? You say a little baby in a basket. That's what you'd think. But the potential that's in a child. That's why the Bible says don't despise. And we should never despise. That's why, you know, some people go, you know, I want kids to love to go to church. In fact, I had uh, someone said one time, their kid calls our church the fun church because they were going to two different churches. And the one church was like, it is a bummer. <laughs> and, and so some people go, you know, why do you let the kids run around this church service? It's a holy sanctuary. I want kids to love church. Yeah. Amen. I want them just to love. I want to say, oh, it's great there. They, and I want them to feel from every single one of us that you are important, that you are special. There's something in you that God put a gift, put talent. You are our future. I didn't mean to yell so much in this sermon. Let's have a Jericho mark. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I told a friend one time, we had a Jericho march. He goes, what? He just got all undone. He goes, what are you going to have? A Moses throws his rod on the ground service. You know, he was making fun of me. But I said, you just had to be there. You know, you had to be there in the moment. But children are so important. You know, I saw this Barna research one time. He's a polling, Christian polling. He said, he, he polled, there's 98 million born-again Christians in America. I don't know what they're doing, but there's 98 million of them. I wish they'd wake up. I mean, we are, we're not woke, but we are awake. <laughs> That's another word they stole. Right? They steal our words, then we can't use them. But uh, he said, George Barna said that 40, he, he, he uh, how do you tested these people or interviewed them or polled them, I guess is the word to use. And he said 43% of the ones that he polled, 43% came to Christ before age 13. 40, that's almost half. Then he said 64%, so that would include the 43, came to Christ, 64% came to Christ before age 18. And then 13% came to Christ between 18 and 21. So you put those together, that's almost 80% came to Christ before age 21. Almost 80%. So if we, our target of evangelism, you know, we try to get old people saved. They're all stuck in their way. Their minds are like cement, thoroughly mixed, well set. They're opinionated, right? I mean, they're opinionated. They're set in their ways. They don't want to have a Jericho march when you want to have one. They, they guard their pew. They don't want anybody to sit in their chair. I mean, it's just, you want to say, you know, you want to say something, but you don't. But, but, but our target, I, I'm not saying that they can't get saved, but it's only like 20%. So that's why our target has to be, um, has to be uh, toward children. Does that make sense? 
So, um, so that's one of the things. That's, you know, despise not the day of small things, small beginnings. Despise not the small, despise not small things. And, um, um, yeah, so that's important. I'm trying to go through my notes here. My wife said, don't use your notes. It goes better without your notes. Because I used to preach. I, you know what I used to do? I, used to, I, used to, I was a screamer, spitter screamer. I'd wave my hands, and, and uh, I would never look at, I would never have, I wouldn't even know what I was going to say half the time I got up there. I'd just start screaming. <laughs> I remember the first time I was, I, I'm actually not an extrovert. I'm an introvert. And I remember the first time I preached, well, not the first time, but one of the first times I preached that, we went, that it went well, I just prayed and fasted, and I got up there, and I screamed for 20 minutes. And, and I was in a small meeting, and everybody's kind of like, what is, and I'm waving my arms, and I'm screaming, and that's how I used to preach. But anyway, so. Um, so anyways, so, um, but one of the things that happened when we came to this area is uh, we created, we caused no small stir. Now, th- think for a minute. I don't know what kind of church you were raised in, but you, you saw us in our worship service today. Um, now, go back 41 years, and that's kind of how we were. Maybe even a little while, wilder. You know, people were dancing, raising their hands. And, and so they would ask me, why do you raise your hands? i say, well, the big question is, why don't you? Why do you shout? The big question is, why don't you? Because the, all right, the Bible... Bible says, shout to the Lord. Yeah. Bible says, I will that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting. They say, why do you clap your hands? You, you know what my answer was? Why don't you? The Bible says, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. So, I mean, what should a worship service look like? Your service or the Bible? The Bible. And so people would dance and... and uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I got to keep going. OK. <laughs> but we also we also preach being born again. Which was foreign to people. They said you, I had a pastor one time and, and really what happened when it all kind of hit the fan was because I I grew up in a Souls Harbor in Minneapolis. Um, that's where Gordon Peterson was my pastor. And so we believed we were like, we call ourselves a full gospel church. We were very evangelistic and we had lots of baptisms. And so when you got saved, then we like probably once a month, we'd have a baptism and we would baptize people by immersion. You know, you take and you fully submerge them in water and pull them up. Now, I'm not dogmatic about it, but the, the word baptism means to immerse. That's what it means. So, I mean, uh, I'm not picking on anybody, but I'm just telling you that's what the Bible says. It says Jesus, after his baptism, he came up out of the water. So if you come up out of the water, you had to be in the water. And so th- that's what baptism is. And so what happened was all these people got, all these young people started getting saved. And, um, and so one, one week or whatever, we had a baptismal. And uh, we even put it in the paper. And uh, I found out a lot about church's views on baptism after that because I, I got called in and got yelled at for about two hours. Um, and, and I was like, well, I kept going. I felt like Martin Luther. I got, uh, show me in the Bible where that's in the Bible. And this one guy said, well, it's not in the Bible. Well, that's all I need to hear. <laughs> he goes, but it's in our tradition. Yeah, I'm not part of your tradition. I'm going to do what the Bible says. And so, anyway, so that kind of caused it to blow up. I wish I would have knew more about what, what they believed. But, so anyway, so we believed in people being born again. And I, from a very young, as a young preacher, I define Christianity, and you need to know this, I define Christianity by one word. Do you know what the word is? Thank you, young man on the front row. I define Christianity by one word. Do you know what that word is? You guys weren't paying attention. I define Christianity by relationship. Relationship with God, relationship with people. That's how I define Christianity, by one word. Because the Bible defines it that way. In John 17, verse 3, it says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And so, um, 
we, we emphasize people being born again, people having an experience with God, people having an encounter with God. We also took people beyond being born again to being baptized in the Holy Spirit, according to Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. And I'm going to talk about that sometime in the near future. But, um, but several years ago, we changed our name from, from Country Bible to Destiny Church. Country Bible to Destiny Church. And the reason we did that was because um, we believed it reflected more our beliefs about people. That every single person on this earth has a destiny. That you're not here by, by accident, you're not here by surprise. Now your mom and dad may have been surprised. <laughs> right? My, grand, my mother, you know, when I, when I would tell her, after about, I think we had about two kids, and then after that, every time I said, uh, she, she, I'd say, Trish is pregnant. She'd go, oh, Stephen. <laughs> in, fact, in fact, one time, I think she was hinting around, do you know how this happens? <laughs> I got it figured out, Mom. She was kind of hinting around, do you know how to prevent this? I, I, but, but, my, but, but I think every single person is here by God's design. They're here because God wanted you here. That means that you might feel like a thingamajig. How many ever heard the expression thingamajig? Because, you know, you know, I had to go through my, both of my parents died, so I had to go through all their stuff. And there's two things I found out. Pictures, who is this? And if they don't write on the back, I don't know who this is. Somebody old, and I don't know who it is. Or I find things in their stuff that I don't know what this is. How many ever done that? So what we call it is a thingamajig. Or whatchamacallit. But you are not that. You are here by God's design. God determined that you would live at this time. Ephesians chapter 1, it says in verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. He chose us in him. When? Before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. I heard a guy say one time, the two most important days of your life are your birthday and the day you figure out why. The day of your birth and the day you discover why you were born. Those are the two most important days on earth. And so, and so what happened was um, we, we, we named our church Destiny Church because of that. So let me jump ahead. I'm going to skip a bunch of stuff here and just go to the end here. See, I, I believe this, that churches have a mission and um, I believe that mission is to produce a finished product. Paul said it like this, to present everyone perfect in Christ. You're not, you're not here just to, to warm up, we used to say pew, but we don't have pews, but a seat. You're here to discover your destiny. You're here to be activated. You're here to, to be salt and light, to have an impact on the world. You know, it's interesting. I, I years ago, I read this after somebody who had quoted a French writer who had come to America in the 1830s. His name was Alexis de Tocqueville. Yeah, how do you say his name? De Tocqueville, yeah. So he was a French, he was a French uh, some big shot in the French government. And they had had a, we had a revolution, they had a revolution. Their revolution, they just ended up decapitating everybody, guillotine. The people that started the revolution, the people that came after decapitated them or guillotined them. Then the ones that guillotined them, they guillotined the next, they, so hundreds of thousands of people got guillotined. And so our revolution was so much different. And so they sent him here to discover what it is about America that is so much different than what their revolution was like. And this is what he's, this is a summary. This, these aren't exactly his words, but it's a summary of what he found out. He said, I sought for the greatness of the United States in her commodious harbors, her ample rivers, her feudal, feudal fe, fertile few, fields, 
I was going to say fjords. <laughs> and boundless forests, and it was not there. I sought for her in the rich mines, her vast world commerce, her public school system, in her institutions of higher learning, and it was not there. I looked for it in the Democratic Congress, her matchless constitution, and it was not there. Not until I went into the churches of America. Listen to this. He said, what is the secret of America's greatness? It wasn't until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits blazing with fire, with righteous preaching, did I understand the secret of her genuine and her power. America is great because America is good. And if it ever, if it ever stops being good, it'll stop being great. See, the goal is to present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. The goal is to produce fully devoted followers of Jesus, starting at a very young age. The goal is to be so captivating, that our, to, to live such irresistible lives, that our present society and, view, and future generations are caught up in the whirlwind of our devotion. They're caught up in the whirlwind of our devotion. I just have to say that, you know, we are here today because of a lot of people that have prayed for our church, a lot of tremendous workers that have worked in our church, that have laid their life down, have not always been paid very good, but laid their lives down and kept their eye on the goal, kept their eye on the prize. And to them, the ones that are here, are like the staff, the staff that we have, I wonder if I could have the staff just stand up for a minute. Staff, are you, can you stand up? Let's give them a good hand. Where are the rest of them? Okay. I didn't see Ryan stand up, but I don't know where he is. He's in the back, right? I suppose that's right. But I appreciate these people so much. And um, we have a board. I appreciate them. And so many other people that work so hard. I just appreciate the people so much that have given their lives over the years and have been faithful, faithful in their giving, faithful to pray, faithful to say a kind word, to be supportive. It's so amazing. Um, we couldn't have done it without you. And this is, isn't over. The skinny lady hasn't sung. <laughs> Trying to be politically correct here. It's, it's not over yet. The next, we built this church for it to be multi-generational so that other generations of people would rise up and take the mantle. And my wife and I, you know, we're in our late 60s. And so, you know, we have to, at some point, I'm not, I'm not retiring right now, but at some, at some point we have to, you know, pass the mantle off to other generations. And, we, and we're fully aware of that and are planning to do that. I have, as we close this morning, uh, my, my daughter, my wonderful daughter, I don't know where she is. I saw her. Oh, there she is. She has a video that she put together. So this video kind of captures a little bit of a celebration about our, our anniversary. Go ahead, girls, girl.
years ago, out here in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by cornfields in this rural area. Well, let's all stand up. I told my daughter, I said, there's just one thing wrong with that video. Me. <laughs> Can you cut me out? Oh, that real to real, by the way, is we were on radio for, I don't know, 20 years. We were, at one time, we were on three radio stations. And um, we, um, uh, so that real to real was what I, the, we had a recording studio. Um, upstairs in this little room, and I would sit in there and do the radio broadcast. So anyways, anyways, that's what that is. Well, everybody, are we ready to do 41 more years? Yes. Are we ready to do, reach farther than we've ever reached and do greater things, greater works than we've ever done before? Yes. All we got to do is just be obedient to God, listen, respond, and God will do great things through us. Amen? Yes. Well, I want to we have a, a cake in the back and so good to have Ted home. I mean, you don't have to clap again, but I'm just I'm so glad that he's here. Make sure you give him a hug. Can, he, can they hug you? I know Doug's kind of, Ted's a real huggy guy. So but um, make sure you hug him. But anyways, and then we do have a cake in the back. So free sweets. Um, but if the, I want to give you the opportunity to be prayed for. The prayer counselors could please come forward at this time and um, if you, if you need prayer for anything, um, 
you know, food, not food, but you don't need prayer for that. But um, uh, you have a physical need, a spiritual need, uh, any kind of a need that you might have. They'd be glad to pray for you. But uh, please join us for some cake and um, uh, coffee or whatever. And we're going to have a great, great celebration. I'm so glad you guys came. And uh, it's been good to do church again today together. Get in the countryside. Get together with the saints alive. Alive, right? Alive. Saints of light. And uh, celebrate. Uh, worship God and torment the devil. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> praise God. Well, praise the Lord. Uh, be blessed this week. Have an awesome uh, week that, with God's blessing upon your life. You're free to go, everybody. God bless you. If you need prayer, please come forward.